0: It was a wild week from Nebraska's game against Wisconsin being canceled because of positive coronavirus cases to the Huskers' request to play non-conference opponent Tennessee Chattanooga being denied by the conference. It was a roller coaster week for the program that is eager to play. Damon Benning will stop by to break down the ups and downs. Special guest Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald, he'll share his insights as Nebraska gears up to take on Northwestern. Sean Callahan will join us to talk more about the latest recruiting developments all from the Big Red. It's coming up next on NET's Big Red Wrap. Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Severe. Welcome to NET's Big Red Wrap-Up. As Scott Frost tends to say, all we want to do is play. That's all we want to do. Joining me, a man who did play for Nebraska, Jay Moore. That's all they want to do, right? Just get a game in. How much can you practice oh my God. and
1: not go crazy? I would be, I'd, I'd be you know, bouncing off the walls. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, there's only so much football you can play against your teammates. Like, that's why I hated spring ball. It's like, geez louise, we got 15 practices against each other. And then you go into camp, and it's you know, two or three weeks before you get to your first game. Like, right. You cannot wait for that game week just to get into prep to see something different besides what your first-team offense does for, for two or th- you know, a whole month. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I would be going absolutely crazy. I can't imagine what those guys are doing. I mean, he said it. we got to be the team that's practiced the most and only played mm-hmm. one game. Yeah, yeah. They were and, trying to get a game with Chattanooga. Yeah. And there were
0: nationally people that were criticizing them, mm-hmm. saying, well, why do you want to play Chattanooga? But that's just like you said, just to have somebody
1: else to look at. Yeah, you want, I mean, it is football season, right? Yeah, it is. Still, like, you, yeah. sh- you want to play football during football season, correct? Right. And listen, no, there was zero harm in kicking the tires to see who's able to play. I mean, uh, Tennessee Chattanooga just played a game. Right. Was, a, I believe, their only scheduled game they're going to be able to play that season. Right. Um, so they had already gone through their COVID testing. Um, they went through an even stringent more stringent, yeah. Testing than what the Big Ten just to get it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, I, I love it. I mean, that's, I mean, if we if we people are getting triggered and upset over Nebraska wanting to play football during football season, I mean, right. I mean, what are we trying to do here? It's just it's it's funny the, the backlash in the um you know from three or four guys in the national media. But I just it's just you know, Nebraska's kind of easy low hanging fruit right now, in my opinion, for them to attack just because obviously um, we haven't been very successful in the win loss column. But uh, I listen doesn't mean you don't stop trying. Right. I mean, it, listen, <laughs> you try some, harder. Don't but you? the nice thing is that in this situation, you're setting a precedent. That's because, true because because what happens if Ohio State comes in the same scenario they to and they are seven and zero six and zero and it's like well they can't go and schedule UTC or can't Cincinnati make or, or yeah right so I think that helps clear things up a little bit mm-hmm. but it's still puzzling because it's you are not hurting anyone this benefits University of Tennessee Chattanooga it benefits Nebraska it helps the economy in Lincoln because you get a, a home game for people part, yeah. the only people you are hurting in this situation in my opinion. Is Nebraska? You're not. I mean, that's by holding you, them back. By holding them anything. back. You're right. not. You're not. Um, you're not hurting. You're not hurting Ohio State. You're not hurting Kevin Warren. You're not hurting the Big Ten. It's mm-hmm. just. It's kind of like this is. This is what. This is our rules, and this is. You know. There's no. You know. Addendum to to the contract or right. to or to our awesome. bylaws or whatever we're having for for this COVID Here's season. Well, look at what happened. Um. Honestly,
0: last week, I know we thought Tuesday night would yeah. be a game and then Wednesday we realize there's not going to be a game when the numbers keep getting bigger and bigger. And then really, if they would have tried to play a game on Saturday with the numbers going up and up, I don't think they would have been able to play anywhere on Saturday. So I know people are critis- criticizing them because it wasn't red-red, it was orange. But still, I don't think they'd have been able to play. And then you have a situation with the Big Ten where they're like, I know you want to play a game. We co- we're concerned about everything in the entire conference. And I don't think they wanted to set the precedent because maybe Nebraska found the perfect opponent mm-hmm. who had the right protocols. Could everybody find that if they had to? That's that's kind of the question. Like, would Purdue have been able to find the right opponent this week? Well, I mean, could UTC, you know,
1: be available? Yeah, for everybody, yes. You know, everyone gets to play. It's like all-time quarterback, all-time opponent. Everyone just play Tennessee Chattanooga, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, it's just the most frustrating thing. Listen, I I love the effort from from Bill Moose and Scott Frost to try out and fight a game. I love that. But, I mean, the frustration is just the backlash from, you know, Pat Forties and in, in those guys, you know, from them trying to play a football game. It's just it's it was it was you know trying to play a football game during football season. Yeah. Um, it's I tell you what, I never would imagine that we would have uh, had a game postponed so early in the season. I thought maybe week seven, right, six maybe. But for Nebraska to have to play Ohio State game one, get their, get their uh, first game against uh, the first home game against Wisconsin canceled, who I thought Nebraska it set up very well for them to win they that football beatable. game. Um, and you don't have it. Now you've got to kind of move on and, and try to try to get a win against a 2-0 Northwestern.
0: Coach Frost said it, Murphy's Law.
1: Yeah, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. Has
0: gone wrong. Yep. It's a busy night. We're glad you're spending some time with us. We, of course, want you to be part of the conversation. You can reach out to us in a number of different ways, via text or email to BigRed at netnebraska.org. Of course, our eyes are peeled on social media as well. We'll be checking and making sure we track Facebook and Twitter. Just drop a comment there for us. And, of course, we'll be watching all of it. We want you to let us know what you're thinking so we can ask those questions to our experts. Here's a result from last week's sideline survey, a survey that can be applied to this week as well. What's the biggest thing Nebraska needs to correct heading into the new Game 2? 36% 36% of you said turnovers. I agree with that. The biggest thing that the Huskers need to fix. And then 22% said penalties. And then it was a split of 21% pass defense and better play at wide receiver as well. Here's the all-new sideline survey for this week. Do you think the Big Ten should have allowed a non-conference matchup this season? No, all the Big Ten teams have the same testing measures to ensure player safety. Yes, if the games get canceled, teams can schedule another opponent. Head to our website now to vote and head back each week for a brand new survey. It, we mentioned this, but the idea of being able to play, what do you think it does to Nebraska now when you look ahead to having to play Northwestern and not having that second game, which is supposed to be when you
1: improve the most? Yeah, I, I think it hurts Nebraska because you don't, you don't have that chance to make those improvements from game one and game two. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, have a, I mean, you can't duplicate you don't have preseason games. I mean, you just don't have them. So right. you can't mimic those the 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 live reps. I call them live bullet reps. Um, and Northwestern's got two games underneath their belt. Um, that's that's a big upside for them. You know, in Nebraska, again, you can you can practice as much as you want against your 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 teammates, and you can try to get as focused and into it as you can. But it's just not it's just not the same. I mean, it's like. You know, I gotta, they're probably feeling like they're hitting their head against a brick wall right now, right. you know, doing, repeating this over and over again. Um, and a part of it's got to be frustrating, too, is like we're doing all these the things that we're being asked to and games are getting taken away from us. So I hope they can keep their focus. And um, I hope nothing else obviously gets snagged up the rest of the season because Northwestern's, I mean, they're playing good football right now. Um, their defense is playing very, very well. Um, I don't, you know, Maryland, Iowa, I don't know where they're, how they're looking out the rest of the season, but right. um, it's, it's, it's very inter- interesting for the football team right now to keep the focus. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's for 19, 20, 200 year olds, right. um, you know, it's in, this, this, in these days and days, day and age, um, the, the patience and focus is, is very key right now. Yeah, well, home openers for Nebraska and Scott Frost. Obviously,
0: Penn State will now be the home opener, but you look back, Of course, the game against Akron. Lightning, weather, one of the nastiest nights I can ever remember. That game gets canceled. Then, of course, you have South Alabama. Nebraska comes out and plays very well. And then, of course, this week, Wisconsin again canceled. I believe it's the fifth game total that Scott Frost has had canceled. I think they made up one at Central Florida, but he's been a part of Hurricanes. Yeah, He knows mm-hmm. how to experience this. A lot of the coaches have been through this as well, so that's the good news, that they understand how to
1: deal with this, but it's got to be, like you said, slamming their head up against a brick wall. Well, because you I mean you, we're going to play August 5th, in mm-hmm. August 11th we're not going to play. Right. And then, you, then you're like, oh, well, you can kind of do some things. You have X amount of hours a week to work out, maybe walk through seven-on-seven, seven, whatever it may be. And then it's like, okay, now we can play. Right. So you're just like, you're just, you know, you're just kind of going back and forth. It's a roller coaster, right, of practice, not practice, working out, not working out, you know, getting ready to play, not, you know, it's just, it's the emotion. It's got to be total draining. Yeah.
0: And in case you're wondering, so going back to the second half of Ohio State, obviously Cam Taylor Britt gets yeah. a targeting call, so he would miss the first half of the next game. And then Deontay Williams, same thing. I think if you miss a whole game, like you lose a whole game, that should be it. Right. If these kids are already lost, I think Scott says something like 33 percent of the season when you go from eight to seven, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're going to miss another half, and so they will miss the first half of the Northwestern game, two of your more experienced guys in the secondary, even though Deontay missed last season, he still is more of a veteran there, and that means you're going to have two young kids in there or two young people in there that are playing and trying to have to defend a very smart team in Northwestern.
1: Yeah that's, that's puzzling too. You know you'd, you'd think okay in this situation, but and again. It's 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 the rules. I don't know yeah. know. It, 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 but it's 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 puzzling. Like you'd you'd think, okay, they did sit out for a whole game. The whole team sat out. Right. Um, and I'm all I, about the rules, Jay. right? Right. But, but got to have right, addendums to rules right, that make sense. Right. Common sense, right? Right. You, you know, think what, so, yeah. Right. When I mean, common, that's just not too common. It seems mm-hmm. like anymore these days. Um, no, that's that's you feel bad for those kids. Definitely. I mean, you feel terrible. Those kids have worked hard. They've gone through all this, and now. You know, they've, they've, they're out for a whole game and a half, essentially. And I don't know Wisconsin, but they're, if they had anybody suspended, you know, because it came out today at their game against Purdue, so you could potentially have more right. guys And um, what they're dealing with. So, yeah, it's, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because it's a, it's a good point you brought up because, I mean, Peyton Ramsey's he's a good quarterback. You know what he can do. And yeah. um, not having them for the first half, hopefully Nebraska can, can make it through. You're not too to have too many hiccups in that back end, and you know, the offense can get things going.
0: And we're going to get to this when we talk about Northwestern later, but this really is an elimination game. If Nebraska can figure out a way to beat Northwestern, all of a sudden they put themselves in a situation where if at the end of the season they're tied with Northwestern, and, of course, they'll get Purdue, they'll get everybody except for Wisconsin, that they have a real legitimate chance to be in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I know it may sound crazy to some people nationally, but you beat Northwestern, a 2-0 Northwestern, and you're sitting there with one win in the West, then you simply have to beat Purdue. You beat Illinois. You know. You take care of business. Mm-hmm. The team you're not going to have a chance to play is Wisconsin. That's fine. Right. But you beat Purdue. You beat Iowa on Black Friday. And then, of course, Minnesota is a huge game at the end of the mm-hmm. season. They have every chance right now with Wisconsin being in this weird limbo mm-hmm. to win this division.
1: Yeah, because w- – you have to play six total games to be factored into yes. the to the to the Big Ten championship, correct? To be eligible, Should sure, yeah. be eligible. So yeah, I mean, Con- I mean, who knows if they're able to be able to play next week? Right, right. Exactly. You know, That's them against Michigan. Right? right. So that that brings up a whole you know another crazy situation. So mm-hmm. listen, I look at the rest of the schedule for for Nebraska. Even with Penn State, I think Nebraska can win every one of these football games. Yeah, I do. We don't know where Penn State will be. Right. Yeah. Right. But you know, it's. Nebraska has the talent. It's just can they put it together for four quarters? Right. We've seen them play very well at spurts, um, but again, what this what hurt against Ohio State and in the past is turnovers, um, timely, untimely penalties, um, and they just they can't get behind. They just they're not right. they're not that good to come back from those mistakes. But yeah. they play clean football. Um, you know, this every game is is very very winnable for yeah. for Nebraska. I don't want to put the cart you know before the horse here, but uh, it's it's. It's just nice to see what everyone else is dealing yeah. with through the first two games. So it, you, can, you can make a better decision. Three clean drives against Ohio State. They
0: scored mm-hmm. all three drives. With Nebraska-Wisconsin game being the first pandemic-related casualty of the 2020 season for the Big Ten, we thought we'd look back to the last time a pandemic got the best of Nebraska.
2: As Nebraska plays during this unusual 2020 season, we can look back to 1918 to see that this wasn't the first time a pandemic had dramatic effects on a football season. As the Spanish flu of 1918 surged, it infected 500 million people worldwide. Masks were commonplace, but the flu wasn't the only thing disrupting lives. World War I was in its final stages and had taken many eligible young men off the football field. Nebraska, who had won eight straight conference titles, was left to schedule its own games after the Missouri Valley canceled its conference season. William Klein, in his first and only season as head coach, led a depleted team through a tumultuous time. In their first game of a delayed season that began in October, Nebraska was held scoreless against Iowa. As flu infections rose around the country, their season would pause again until November. City ordinances had banned public gatherings, and multiple teams canceled contests against the Huskers. As the Great War ended and flu sanctions eased, Nebraska football returned to the field and posted shutout wins against Omaha Balloon School and Kansas before falling to Camp Dodge. The Huskers' featured opponent that season was Notre Dame, and the two schools came together on Thanksgiving to a scoreless tie, at the time a welcome result against a powerhouse machine. The season would culminate in a loss a week later, just as the second wave of the Spanish flu was coming to an end. Though the outcome of results was hardly what fans had come to expect, they were rewarded nonetheless with football. As many teams across the country outright canceled seasons that year, the Huskers' determination to play provided a respite for Nebraskans during trying times.
0: Let's get another perspective on last week and the effects it will have on Nebraska going forward. Damon Benning, former IBAC, joining us here on the wrap-up. Hey, DB, how you doing?
3: I'm good. How are you guys?
0: We're doing really well. I want to go to your thoughts on Tennessee Chattanooga and that trying to play for Nebraska. I know we've talked about it. You can only practice so much. Why was it necessary, you think, in the eyes of the coaches to try to get that game set up?
4: Well, I think it's a couple
3: of things. I think number one, um, coaches are they're, they're so, they're so, in their subconscious, they're not real comfortable getting guys hurt in scrimmages. And there's just this little bit of self-restraint that, that coaches put on themselves whether it's via the script or knowing what, you know, what you want your guys to do and what you don't want to do and kind of what feels right that's different than in a real game that's happening real time i think you know if you see a team like utc you're a little less inhibited uh, as a coach and a coaching staff and i think you kind of let it rip a little bit more than you would some things you can't script and are unsimulated that are always a good thing that, that, that don't happen in practice. The other thing is, listen, they recruit nationally and, and, and guys are there to play football, like it, love it, leave it, whatever they want to play. And when you recruit from everywhere around the country and guys aren't having a chance to play, it's hard to keep guys content and wanting to stay at home with the promises every week of, Hey, we're going to play. We're going to play, hang in there with us. We're going to play. And the more that those guys get a chance to be competitive and stay competitive, the better chance you have to keep them engaged. So that game was was important to try to have on, on
1: multiple fronts. DB, you brought up staying engaged and the challenges of, of what Scott's dealing with right now and dealing with 19, 20, 20-year-old 20 kids staying focused and patient in a situation like this, how, how big of a task is that now for a 19, 20, 20 year old kid um, in this situation where you're doing everything you've, you can, but you still have football games taken away from you. Even when you're trying to get another one, they're saying, no, you you, no, you can't play just being able to stay on task and keep them focused in a situation like this.
3: Well, I think it's extremely difficult. Number one, uh, you have loved ones a lot of times in other areas and you're not sure what they're going through or what they're dealing with. Uh, You're not able to see their faces uh, you're on campus, but you're not engaged with anybody other than your teammates, and that can be trying as well. Uh, I just—it's almost like cabin fever, right? And so when you're playing and you're staying competitive, and, and your coaching staff is having you maximize day to day, you don't have a lot of downtime to think. Uh, sometimes we're our own worst enemies when we're turned over to ourselves. And players at that age—nineteen, twenty, twenty-one—whether you're a student athlete or not, just that age is difficult. Anyway, so I think the more that you keep your mind busy and you stay engaged, the less apt you are to worry about things that you can't control.
0: Damon Benning joining us here on the wrap-up. Last year's game was some really bad offense for Northwestern. How different are they this year on that side of the ball with the Huskers you will see on Saturday?
3: Well, I, I obviously like Ramsey, right? He gives them the ability to have some poise and some moxie and, and to make plays under duress. He's not going to be rattled. Um, he's, he knows what Nebraska is about. And I think he's been a good fit for them offensively. I think defensive or excuse me, while Nebraska is on defense, you kind of wonder, all right, are they good in the phone booth type run game against like a Wisconsin where you know what's coming at you and you have to hunker down? Or will it be a little bit more difficult with a team like Northwestern who is still equally as committed to the run game, but they give it to you out of multiple spread sets where they kind of isolate you in terms of your run fits. We'll see what happens on Saturday, but I like the matchup. I, while I do think Iowa is very good defensively up front, Northwestern didn't wow me in terms of their electricity and big playability with the run game. They impressed me more with their consistency and steadfastness. If Nebraska can hunker down and commit themselves to stopping the run and make Ramsey make some plays outside the numbers potentially without a guy like Riley Lee, I kind of like Nebraska's chances.
1: Uh, DB, let's flip sides now to Northwestern's defense. I mean, seven turnovers through two games, uh, holding teams to seven yards, through, uh, through yards rushing through two games, average of seven yards rushing through two games. does Where do you see Nebraska getting at this uh, stout Northwestern defense through what they've shown through two games?
3: Yeah, something's got to give, right? It's right. Nebraska's inability to get chunk plays in the passing game versus Northwestern's patience to keep things in front. Will Nebraska want to panic a little bit and try to get vertical to open things up? There's two things that I think are really important for Nebraska. Number one is quarterback run game, really forcing Northwestern to play 11 on 11 and get them out of that too deep shell that they like to play with a lot of that, that man under that, that passing off of those zone concepts and the intermediate passing game, the quarterback run game can compromise that to some degree. The other thing is, is Nebraska has to be patient. If, if, if you're, three and a half yards or four yards in a cloud of dust, be content to stay Mm. with it because if you don't turn it over and you stay on schedule, you've proven that you can move the ball on just about anybody that they've seen so far in the big 10. And I don't see Northwestern being any different. Northwestern is fantastic defensively. We knew that going in eight of 11 starters back with a significant amount of playing time. And it is a very disciplined bunch So Nebraska has to match their consistency in terms of patience when they have the ball.
0: You've helped put together a lot of game plans defensively as a high school coach. Think about, put yourself in the situation of Northwestern, seeing only that Ohio State game and all the stuff that Nebraska tried. How difficult do you think it will be for Northwestern to put together a game plan of knowing what Nebraska is going to do on Saturday?
3: Yeah, I don't think they're all that comfortable, right? I mean, Nebraska's had two weeks to prepare. That's where, um, we won't call it a forfeiture, but Wisconsin not playing that game, last week is kind of a little bit of a blessing for Nebraska. It does two things for you. Number one, we didn't really think that that Columbus game plan versus Ohio State was going to be who Nebraska wanted to be going forward anyway. And number two, you get a chance to really kind of settle in and develop your game plan that I think who you're going to be through the remainder of the Big Ten season, and you get to do it with a couple of young guys that didn't get a lot of touches in the opener that maybe Northwestern won't be aware of. Number one starts with the guy that everybody knows about. That's Dietrich Mills. He'll have more than 10 carries on Saturday. Number two, w- Wandale Robinson will have more than the six targets, I believe, or the six catches mm-hmm. uh, that he had in that one. Then you get the other guys involved, the Alante Browns, the Vocalex. Um Maybe Nebraska gets busy outside the numbers with a different receiver or two perhaps. And they've had a chance to work with it. So I think Nebraska's, their game plan on offense will be a little bit foreign to Northwestern as, as Northwestern saw it in Columbus.
0: DB, we appreciate it. Tell Biggie that we all, we're all we all thinking about him as he walks by behind you.
3: Yeah, he's a little different. He's kind of nosy, man, but he heard that <laughs> voice. He's like, golly, that, that sounds like a guy that can really swing the stick. So I think he just wanted to see Jay Moore.
0: <laughs> very true. Hey, man, we appreciate it. We'll see you in the morning.
3: Hey, anytime.
0: Coming up on the show, we'll be joined by Omaha World Herald sports reporter and, of course, Husker Beat reporter Sam McEwen. Here's images from Hale Varsity. Take us a break. We're back soon.
3: No, I think our program is ready to turn a big time corner, uh, but it's tough too if we're given circumstances where we can't get on the field and get better. Um, and uh, I think our kids are just anxious to get back out there and and try to try to compete to win a game.
4: Um, this isn't the first hurdle, the first uh, adversity, uh, sign of adversity that we've seen this year. Um, so we're, we're
5: going to keep chugging along. You know we immediately moved on to Northwestern and, and that was kind of where our heads were at. I think our team really hit that in stride and, and we've been dialed in on those guys. Going on the road two weeks in a row basically is, is um, I mean, it'll be challenging for any team, but we just we understand that, you know, regardless, we're going in there to accomplish one mission and, you know, that's to come out with a win.
3: You know, it's kind of Murphy's Law right now, uh, missing a game, missing a home game all the things that are happening. Uh, I think our kids have a little bit of chip on their shoulder, and um, I don't know what will happen Saturday. We're playing a really good team, but I know our kids are going to play hard.
0: All right, time to check in on social media and some of the best posts from the past week. First up, a very funny guy, former Husker Will Compton, sharing this photo from a gas station in Lincoln. Happy Halloween, Nebraska 42, Wisconsin scared. That was kind of the conversation there on social media about them being scared. Our second social media best of is SpongeBob. It's a meme where Nebraska is looking at the rest of the Big Ten playing, and you know I just want to watch Husker football is what Squidward is saying there from our Barstool scurs. Understandable, and I think a lot of people felt that way. We're pleased now to be joined by Omaha World Herald sports writer Sam McEwen. I'll be good to wrap up. Thanks for being here, Sam. We appreciate it. Hey, Michael. Uh, thanks. thanks for having me tonight. A couple things that were said on Monday by Scott Frost, especially talking about a chip on the shoulder and kind of feeling like everybody's against them. Watching it from the outside as a reporter, you kind of feel that way as well by the decisions that have been made by the Big Ten?
4: You know, I think, I think there's certainly a, di- a difference between how the Big Ten looks at this situation. And by that, I mean the presidents and chancellors, the majority of them and the way that Nebraska has looked at this situation. Um, I just think there's been a, there's been a significant, you know, difference in the way that they view that. And as a result, you know, I think Nebraska feels like it's, it's been treated a little unfairly in the process. Um, I don't know if they feel better today (laughs) that Wisconsin canceled the game against Purdue. So it wasn't personal to Nebraska, but Wisconsin obviously is canceling two in a row. So Maybe they feel better about that, but but at the same time, I think Nebraska has tried so hard and prepared so specifically to play a football season, and they were at this a long time before some of these other Big Ten schools are, and I'm sure it's frustrating to see a game fall apart and
1: to see some of those plans fall apart. Sam, you, you mentioned Wisconsin's numbers, and last week when the game was canceled, you were on top of it with orange-red, red-red, where Wisconsin was, uh, total, you know, the seven-day running total testing. Where Wisconsin is now, how do you see this thing kind of playing out for them and and potentially the the rest of the Big Ten this season?
4: Wisconsin has never been in a red-red designation. Um, It is probably less so in a red-red designation at this moment uh, than it was last Wednesday or Thursday. That's probably when they were closest to it, or maybe Saturday. But because there's a seven-day rolling average, um, I would say at this point Wisconsin's number of new cases is somewhere around 15 and so you're you're probably not in that area right now. Um Wisconsin is making a conscious choice that is allowed to them by the Big Ten uh to make discretion to basically cancel uh some of these games. Um, I would be surprised if they canceled another one. That then said, I'm surprised they cancel one today. I'm not sure who is in charge of making the decisions there at Wisconsin, whether it's the Chancellor or the Athletic Director or who. Um, but but it's certainly there in a they're in a they're in a they're in a tough spot uh, there because if they if they miss one more game the chances of them playing in the Big 10 title game are, are very very slim and not because of their record. Uh, they they'll fall they'll fall under the minimum.
0: What's happened so far with Wisconsin not missing two games, Northwestern getting off to a good start. Iowa not What are your, what are the chances in your mind of Nebraska being a surprise in the west and how big is this is this an elimination game coming up on Saturday against Northwestern? A little bit. You know,
4: um, I know there's a lot of talk tonight about election needles, right? Yeah. Well, right now, Nebraska's election needle is, you know, uncertain. But if they beat Northwestern, that election needle is going to go over to, like, you know, very likely. Um, Because if they beat Northwestern this weekend, they're right in the thick of it. Uh, Nebraska beats Northwestern. Purdue becomes the number one team in the division. Uh, You don't have to play what many people think is the strongest team in the division in Wisconsin. And you have one more game against Penn State, you know, and that, then you feel like you're you you're match up pretty well uh, with the last uh, three teams on your four teams on your schedule, three teams, I guess, on your schedule um, in Illinois and Iowa and Purdue and Minnesota last four teams. And so um, this is a huge one. You know, If Nebraska wins this one, then they're in really good shape, um, you know, mathematically. The one thing that makes it hard, the only thing they won't be able to control is Wisconsin losing a game. And so uh, the challenge that Nebraska will have in front of it is it can't, it can't beat Wisconsin. Only Wisconsin can lose. And if Wisconsin wins out and they finish six and O, then they're going to win the division because they will have beaten everybody. The only caveat to that is if Purdue wins out and finishes seven and O and then they would be ahead of Wisconsin. But uh, for the most part, Um, You know, the only two teams that truly control their own destiny right now are Northwestern and Purdue. Nebraska will will take some will take a little bit of a chunk out of that if they can beat Northwestern on Saturday.
0: Let's talk about that matchup, because it's been so strange there in Evanston when Nebraska goes there. And generally they played pretty well. Uh, They've rushed the ball pretty well when they've gone there. Overall, what's your feeling for that game coming up Saturday, Nebraska going against a, a very good stout defense for Northwestern?
4: I think it'll be close. I think most of the games at Northwestern have been close over the years, and I think this one will be too. Uh, Northwestern is, you know, their their offense is what I would describe as dynamic. You throw the Maryland game out the window, that doesn't mean anything. Um, I think, the, you know, Mer- Northwestern's offense is making a transition to more of a pro-style power offense. That's going to take a little bit of time. Um, they don't have the best running backs in the league. They have good players, but not great ones. They don't have Jonathan Taylor. And quarterback Peyton Ramsey, I think, is a good player, but again, not, not Justin Fields. And so I think Nebraska can hold them in check. I think Northwestern's defense is pretty darn good, especially against the run. And so Nebraska's going to have to think about how they're going to run the football and how involved they get the quarterback. This is probably a game where your quarterback has to have some chunk runs, and by that, more than 10 yards. Uh, If you can get Luke McCaffrey on the loose or Adrian Martinez for a 30 or 40 yard run, that puts you in position for touchdown. So, you know, there's, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, It may come down to special teams. Uh, It may come down to just a handful of plays. Nebraska is going to have to manage the clock. Well, do well on third down, do well in the red zone. Um, The things that win you close games in the NFL and in the big 10.
0: Sam, I thought Iowa had some real shots to get some passes down the field. But Spencer Petras was, I'm going to say he was awful, but he was not accurate at all. If Adrian or Luke can be accurate, do you think, depending on who the wide receivers are for Nebraska, they can get some big plays against Northwestern? Who normally limits those big plays?
4: Yeah, they, they can. I mean, they got a couple last year against Northwestern with Wando Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got the, they got. well, I mean, one of them was a shovel pass, but, you know, they got that deep play late in the game. Uh, they got a couple of them against Northwestern in 2018. And a lot of the guys that were on that defense, not all of them, but a lot of them are on this defense too. Uh, so they've been pretty good for for a number of years on that side of the ball. And and so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance. Uh, Northwestern doesn't make a ton of mistakes, so they don't bust a lot of coverages. But uh, there is a chance to, to, to get behind them. Nebraska's got to be able to throw it. And they've got to have receivers who can go get it. And then you always keep keep in mind the weather conditions. Yeah. Uh, I you know I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but but uh, you know it's that that stadium's on the lake, so you know if you're looking at a lake effect wind or something, that can always that can always mess with mess with things a little bit. But uh, I I do think Nebraska is going to have an opportunity to score twenty four to twenty eight points. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. Um, and you're looking at probably a twenty four to twenty three or a 28-24 kind of game. That really comes down to the final, the final drives, and Nebraska has been pretty, pretty average on final drives uh, in the last in the first first two years of of Scott Frost. I mean, they've, they've they won obviously against Northwestern last year, but they fell short twice against Iowa. Um, there, you know, there, there's been some moments where they've had chances to put games away, and they haven't been able to do it. So we'll find out what happens in the fourth quarter because I think this will be a four quarter game.
0: Sam, one of the things that Scott Frost said yesterday was he feels the team is getting ready to turn a corner. Uh, you followed the team pretty closely. I know the fans want to see that happen. Do you think Nebraska's close to turning the corner? I think I think they're
4: getting better on defense. Now, we only have one game as evidence. But what I will say is that I don't think their defense is as talented as last year's bunch, which had uh, the Davis Twins and Darian Daniels. But watching the Ohio State game again, the defense looked better. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it didn't look uh, – like the linebackers were, you know, in a jumble in the middle of the middle of the pile, trying to get out and make a tackle. I thought the defensive line looked a little bit more physical um, than maybe they did at times last year. They didn't try to slant and do a bunch of goofy things quite as much. So you felt like what you were watching is a little bit more of what their vision is as it relates to run defense. They were pretty safe on the back end. They didn't, they didn't, uh, you know, they gave up a lot of shorter throws. My guess is on Saturday, uh, they'll be a little more aggressive, you know. Justin Fields is is on a different level, uh, and Northwest and Ohio State's receivers are on a different level than Northwestern. So I think you're going to see Nebraska get a little bit more aggressive in its coverage, and you know, and maybe put put their corners at a little bit more risk, um, especially in the second half when they get Deontay Williams and Cam Taylor-Britt back. So, you know, it, it'll it'll be you know, I, I think Nebraska's turning a corner a little bit on that defensive side. We don't know anything about special teams, not really yet, um, just one game. And then offensively, we'll see. I, 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 you got to put some players out on the field that can make, make the plays that you need to make to make big plays. And, um, you know, the wide receiving crew that they had as comprised at Ohio State is probably not going to get that done.
0: Sam, one of the things that stood out is the teams that necessarily maybe weren't ready to play. During the offseason didn't think the game season yeah. was going to happen Minnesota's sitting at 0 and 02 defense isn't playing well at all what's kind of your thought about the the rest of the, the Big Ten and how they're playing so far
4: yeah good thought on Minnesota uh, they they got a lot they had a lot of defensive defensive pl- players replace uh, I was surprised and impressed by Michigan State's win at Michigan it was a legit win it wasn't a you know Michigan turned it over or kicked the ball in the middle of the air seven times or something it wasn't that at all they played well Michigan State won the game and deserved to win it um, you know, I think Indiana's doing what Indiana does, which is kind of they play they play pretty solid defense and they get some turnovers. And uh, but, you know, you can see that there's lim- a little bit of limit there, especially when they're running the football. Ohio State's the class of the league. Uh, Purdue's defense has improved. You got to tip your cap a little bit to Bob Diaco, uh, the defensive coach there. Mm-hmm. I know we don't want to do that, <laughs> uh, but but they've been pretty good in the red zone. They, 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 that now, now teams have kind of moved up and down the field on them between the 20s, but Iowa and Purdue struggled once they got into the scoring zone, and and that's kind of Diaco's signature. So he's done okay there. Um, You know, Illinois, I think they're in trouble because they're probably down to their third or fourth quarterback, and that's a problem. You know, they're they're, they're not going to, it's hard to win when you're down to that guy, and, and they probably won that game uh, against Purdue if they hadn't been. So, I was struggling, you know, uh, they're, they're out of whack. That's not the Iowa program that we've seen for many years. Uh, an Iowa program that's throwing the ball 45 times a game in their first two games on average is really not Iowa football. So I, I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, I don't know if they think Spencer Petras is the next Chuck Long or, or whatever, but, but they've looked out of whack. Now they, they host Michigan state this week. And if they lose that game, things could go downhill real fast there because they've had a, a long and hard off season. Mm.
0: So you're an AP voter, Sam. Um, we all know Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama; those are top three. Who are the next couple? I mean, obviously Georgia plays Florida this week, which is big. Notre Dame plays Clemson. Who, who would your four be right now, getting into the college playoff? After you know they've been through nine weeks or eight weeks, Nebraska's been through two or three. What would it be right now? Uh,
4: Georgia and Notre Dame are probably real close for that four right now. Of course, Georgia beats Florida this weekend, right. and Georgia's solidified. I mean, they're. They're solidified, and then they got to go play Alabama again. And, you know, I don't think a two-loss team is going to get in the playoffs, so it's going to be one of those deals where they're going to have to avenge the loss that they had earlier this year. Uh, the only issue that Georgia has is quarterback. He, You know, he's not a great quarterback. Uh, Notre Dame, I think, runs a football like nobody's business. Uh, you know, they've they been hot and cold, um, but they've been hot the last two weeks, and they've mm-hmm. been pretty good the last two weeks. And so they get Clemson. I think it's really shrewd that Clemson's taken Trevor Lawrence, even though he's not healthy enough to play or whatever they want to say. The reason I say that is because if Clemson loses a game, NBC will have had 374 insert shots of Trevor Lawrence during that game. And it's going to remind every voter subliminally Trevor Lawrence did not play in this game. Trevor Lawrence did not play in this game. (laughs) (laughs) People are going to be like, well, they lost, but Trevor Lawrence didn't play in the game. So um my sense is that Clemson can lose this game and they'll still be fine. They'll they'll be able to win out and use Trevor Lawrence in a in a in, in the title game against Notre Dame and they'll be good to go. So this is one of those years where it is there is a chance that Cincinnati yeah. uh, is the team to watch. It's not gonna be BYU. I don't I, I love them. They're great, but it won't be them. You cannot you cannot make a playoff beating Boise State and San Diego state. And those are the only two games on your roster. It just won't work. So I, it won't be them though. They, they can get up there, but they'll fall back. Cincinnati, on the other hand has a chance, has a chance. If they win out and they win all their games, people are going to give Cincinnati an opportunity, I think, to play in the playoff. Um, but, th- but they have a tall order in doing that. It's not going to be easy for them to win out. They've got a lot of tough games left. So um, somewhere along the way, I, I, I expect Cincinnati to slip up. Uh, people will be touting BYU because they won a national title in 84, essentially doing the same thing, but I, I just don't see it. The, the, the quality of their opponents are playing Troy and Texas state you know, no, they, they don't belong in that, in that, in that playoff setting, regardless of they can go undefeated and they, they probably shouldn't be there. So, yeah. um, and then one other team to watch is Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is going to win out. My prediction is they're going to win out and they're going to win out by big margins. Uh, They found who they are here in the last couple of weeks. And they're going to, they're going to take, they're going to make a run I think through a lot of their games and they're going to end up finishing nine and two or whatever. And everybody's going to blow off those first two games as COVID or whatever they want to call it. And they're going to say, this is one of the four best teams in the country right now. And if the records line up and Cincinnati's lost and Georgia's got two losses and, you know, and it's basically Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and who? It's Notre Dame, Georgia. If Oklahoma's there at 9-2 and two, and none of the Pac-12 teams are undefeated, I think Oklahoma can still make the playoff. Mm-hmm. But they got to win out.
0: Sam, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you down the road.
4: All right, take care.
0: Coming up next, Sean Callahan joins us. We'll take a look at Nebraska's fruitful recruiting last week. Also chat with a member of the 2021 class. Pretty good tight end. But first, more images from Hale Varsity as we go to break. Stay with us. Be sure to vote on this week's sideline survey question. Do you think the Big Ten should have allowed non conference matchups this season? Currently, 90% of folks are like, yes, we need to allow them. I think that is a Nebraska bias. Uh, make sure to visit the wrap up website and cast your vote. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us tonight at the wrap up. Michael Sevier joined by Sean Callahan. Nebraska didn't play a game this weekend, but they did pick up a recruit, some off a defensive line. Yeah,
6: they got Jalen Weaver out of California, Michael, and this is as big, at least physically, of a defensive lineman I've ever seen Nebraska sign. 6'8", 280. Mm. Now, uh, we got an updated height and weight on him. Uh, Tony Tuioti, uh, people have kind of been waiting for him to make his move. This is really one of the first true guys he's landed Um, especially out of his footprint Northern California. Um, And you look at the 3-4, and Jay's talked about this, the challenges of that 3-4 defense is getting the right size for those three down linemen. Well, clearly Jalen Weaver has the right kind of build, frame, and size that they want to use and, and you saw what Nebraska looked like at Ohio State. They're bigger up front on that D line, even though they lost the Davis twins, uh, that extra length and size and depth. Um, you know, they, they had moments where they looked better at times, um, than last year. So, uh, they're going to continue to try to build this defensive line with guys like Jalen Weaver.
0: And then also Chris Kolarvik, is that how you say his name?
6: Yeah, Chris Klervick, um, a two-year graduate transfer out of northern Iowa. This coaching staff has a lot of history at northern Iowa. Eric Shenander, Mario Verduzco, Scott Frost, all coached there together at one time. They're still very clued into the scene there at Cedar Falls. He was in the transfer portal for just a week. Mm. Nebraska was one of the first teams, actually the first team to offer him. And I look at this, Michael, as, all right, Colin Miller – Uh, And and obviously, Will Honus are going to graduate this year. Um, They can come back, but I think Nebraska is probably banking on both players moving on. They really want another veteran quality body to throw in there uh, with guys uh, like Luke Reimer. You know, Nick Henrich could play either outside linebacker or inside linebacker. So I just think this is a a pure depth move. And this is somebody that they expect to be on the field for them next season.
0: All right, Sean, now we're joined on the phone by Husker commit James Carney tight end, of course. Norris High School. James, we appreciate it. How are you doing?
5: I'm doing great. How are you guys?
0: We're doing really well. Um, let's talk a little bit about your decision to commit. Obviously, right there at Norris, uh, you look at Nebraska, already had a, you know, a couple tight ends in, in the mix. What's, what's your thoughts about being a tight end in this class?
5: Nah, you know, we're, all three of us, you know, we're, we're, uh, I'd say we're all pretty competitive. So, uh, you know, once we all get there, it's going to be a really fun time. Uh, you know, being able to compete with them and, you know, learn off of them and, you know, eventually bring those skills to the uh, field. So, you know, I'm I'm super excited to be a part of it. Uh, you know, I know it's a 3 tight end class, and I know that was a little hesitation for, you know, people. Um, but, you know, I, I don't see a problem with that. I'm just ready to compete.
6: James, you're a perfect example of why we shouldn't just – Nebraska or anybody shouldn't recruit guys off just their junior year. Uh, you've made massive gains physically – uh, and athletically, from your junior to senior year, give us an idea of just how much bigger you've gotten, uh, really, from January, February to now.
5: Right. I mean, I think what is? It? I think it's 33 pounds right now. I'm sitting at probably 226, and mm. you know, I was 193 in uh, January, uh, so not not too impressive. But uh, you know, like you said, you know,
0: ju- junior season film's important, but you know, for my case, my senior film was, uh, you know, that was the key. James, you guys are in the playoffs. You get Aurora this weekend. How's it been so far, and what's your feel about the game on Friday night?
5: Oh, no, I know everybody's super excited. You know, we had practice Monday and today. You know, yesterday's practice was, you know, great. Everybody's, you know, emotions were high. You know, we're super excited. I know, you know, like I said, you know, people around, you know, the community of Norris are, you know, they're betting for us on this game. And, you know, Aurora's got a really good team, but, you know, I feel like if we come out, you know, we'll be totally fine.
6: James, uh, you're one of three tight ends in this class. You've seen Thomas Fedoni. You've seen A.J. Rollins. How do you differ from those guys when you kind of compare your skill set uh, to the other tight ends Nebraska's bringing in with you?
5: Right, definitely. So I'd say Thomas is more of a you know receiver-type tight end, and A.J. is probably more of a blocking. But So I'd throw myself right in there in the mix of them. I feel like I can block and catch at the same time. So, you know, I feel like Nebraska is really going to find a, uh, you know, they're going to be able to use us all in, you know, hopefully all in the field at one time. So, uh, you know, I, it's it, it'll be interesting to, you know, see how we all, you know, contribute to the team.
0: James, we really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Thank you, I appreciate it. James Carney, Titan, out of Norris. The next our in-state guy, Sean, is is my, in my opinion, one of the best two-way players in the state. Kate Haberman is a really good inside offensive lineman, and I, I call him a problem on the defensive line. Uh, what do you think about him and and what's where he's headed?
6: Yeah, when you look at just Class A linemen playing this year, because obviously there's some good linemen not playing, particularly at Omaha Central, uh, but Cade Haberman's probably the top lineman right now in all of Class A. Um, He's the only lineman right now in Class A that's going to play Division I for the class of 2021. Uh, Our old friend Dan Jackson, who was at South Dakota State, a former Burke graduate himself, Mm -hmm. um, got him at Northern Illinois, and, and they jumped on him right away. He's an outstanding wrestler as well, Michael. Um, was the number one heavyweight wire-to-wire. Was runner-up at state because Millard South, they moved up a guy um, that was a Division One North Carolina state recruit. He was beat in the finals, um, but has a pretty good chance to win the heavyweight wrestling title uh, this year for Omaha Westside. And I think everyone's crossing their fingers, Michael, that we see the game, yeah. LV West, Westside Part 2, as... That's the uh, Alabama-Clemson of high school football right now in Nebraska, and I think everybody really wants to see those two teams meet up here in Lincoln. Real quick, Sean, if he was six five, would he be at Nebraska? I think so. Yeah, I, I think that's the one thing, especially when you're talking about the three-four. I mean, Nebraska made it work with the Davis twins because they had to; those were the best guys they had. But long-term, Nebraska does not really have a, a spot for a lot of six-two type guys that especially can't play the nose. I mean, you know, if you have the body that you can build into a good nose, but really all the defensive linemen Nebraska are going to take are going to be between 6'4 and 6'8, and 6'4 is on the smaller side. You won't see them probably go much below that based on the measurables they need to properly run this 3-4 defense.
0: Thanks, Sean. Let's take a look around the Big Ten from last weekend. Michigan State stunned a lot of people, a lot of betters as well, as they took on number 13 Michigan. (laughs) Mel Tucker's first win as a Spartan head coach, only the second guy ever from Michigan State to have the first win against their against big brother, Michigan. Ohio State continued, of course, to roll, this time over number 18, Penn State. Of course, they start 2-0 now. And finally, for the first time in Big Ten history, Indiana, Northwestern, and Purdue are all 2-0 to start in conference play. Speaking of Northwestern, one of the things, Jay, I wanted to ask you about, because Scott Frost talked about why the Northwestern defense is so good, and he said they get so many
1: eyes on the football. What does he mean by that? Well, I think it's kind of two parts. I think, I've mentioned the show, it's having good eye discipline, trusting your keys, trusting your reads, um, not getting sucked into ball fakes. You can You, you can... Good defenders um, can just see things very clearly. He can see, uh, a defensive lineman can see an offensive lineman maybe leaning a little bit, so he might be blocking down or he might be trying to reach him. So he he can kind of obviously prepare Mm -hmm. for that play coming. They can see the mesh point between a running back and the quarterback in a zone read look. Um, And then good good players also have a feel for the game like they understand like three step drop like or you can just feel like that 1 1000 2 1000 3 if you can't get there get your arm your hands up and you said that teams have uh, good defensive have that feel for for the game that's kind of football IQ yeah. and, and obviously be pretty smart to go to the Northwestern so i, I imagine um, they have it's a good feel and just like i said um, eye discipline but you know getting their eyes to a ball i think they just, they're smart they're just smart right. players and they they understand uh, the concepts and they play well within their system and they trust they, they trust one another too. That's the biggest thing too. Is like I know those these other ten guys are gonna do what they need to do mm-hmm. and I can kinda I do my thing and go make some plays. Sean, so last week in my burning question, it was what about the wide
0: receivers? Will we see some of those guys who were at the end of the game Ohio State earlier against Wisconsin? Let's fast forward to Northwestern. You think we see more of those guys on the field? Yeah, well we see Omar Manning right
6: on the plane for Nebraska number one. I mean we think so, but we don't know. And we'll talk to the coaches more tomorrow, and obviously Scott Frost Thursday. I'm not sure how much they're going to divulge on that. Um, then Alante Brown, that's the one that surprised me probably more than ever. He only played nine snaps at Ohio State. I expected him to almost be a starter. Um, so that did catch me off guard based on some of the reports. Um, and, and the bottom line is, Michael, they only targeted the receivers nine times at Ohio State. That has to improve. They have to run more plays, though. That play count was in the low 60s at Ohio State. If this works, they need to be running over 80 plays, 90 plays as a a unit, and a lot more things
0: can be done with some of these playmakers. Jay, it was a little bit of a joke from Scott Frost, but he was serious. Patty Fisher, the inside linebacker there at Northwestern, is everywhere almost every play. He said he'll be glad when he's finally
1: gone. What makes him so special for Northwestern? (laughs) How many years has he been there? It feels like he's been there 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 for a long time. Uh, Again, smart. Understands, you know, understands the game, has a good feel, mm-hmm. um, and good football players can play off. Then they understand the game so well, and they understand schemes, what offense is doing. So I think good linebackers, when let's say a defensive lineman, you know, get to reach on the block is out of his gap, or is not doing what he's doing. He, good players can understand, especially when they've been in the system long enough uh, with with Pat Fitzgerald. They can they can tell and they can they can make that defensive lineman right and mm-hmm. clean things up. I think he's just he's smart. He just knows what what to do and he just he just cleans. He's you know he's a uh, lame you know nickname. Just call him the Trash Man. You know he just kind of cleans stuff up out there. Yeah, no. uh, so he just smart players, man. That's what Northwestern has. Yeah, he cleans up all the mistakes. Yeah.
6: Sean, start with our burning questions. My burning question, Michael, is will Nebraska's offensive line how will they hold up against a veteran northwestern front seven you know northwestern may not have the nfl talent of an ohio state front but they're kind of like the old guys at the ymca that know how to play and (laughs) they're they're going to give you problems and they're going to be in the right place and they're going to do the right things how will nebraska's young linemen handle that situation on the road what about you jay
1: yeah can you also northwestern seven turnovers total on causing defense can nebraska come this game plus on the turnover category. Uh, if they do that, they got, they got like their chances.
0: Yeah, amazing numbers when Nebraska is just even, mm-hmm. how many games they've won over the last 10 years and, of course, how many they lost. Mine is similar to what you're saying. We're talking about, again, two years where Nebraska had 28 and 27 fumbles. Didn't lose them all but had that many, 55. And now two more, again, in the first game. So if for some reason Nebraska can come out of this game without having any fumbles, I'm almost positive with the talent they have, the way they played on both line of scrimmages, that they can beat Northwestern.
1: I would agree. Yeah. yeah it's just, that's one of those games. You, mm-hmm. Northwestern makes you play clean, perfect football. Can yeah. you do that for fourth quarter, four quarters? I mean, you don't have to do it for all – I mean, just when you're, you have the opportunity to make a play, can you, can you make that against them? Because they're going to give you those opportunities to, to do that, but can you capitalize? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if – they've had some success, success there, but uh, the, what's hurt Nebraska in I don't know, the last decade – Fumbles, shooting themselves in the foot, bad penalties, bad special teams plays. Can they get these things cleaned up and and finally get a win in 2020?
0: 22nd key
6: there, Sean. Key uh, will be the start again. Can Nebraska get rhythm on offense and
0: establish that running game with the tailback, particularly Diedrich Mills? Don't forget to head to our website, of course our Facebook page. Click on the prediction. Jay and I will tell you exactly what to expect on Saturday. Nebraska is back on the field this weekend after a week off. And, of course, they're on the road to Evanston to face Northwestern. Again, kickoff is at 11 a.m., Three 11 a.m. games so far to start. So on the Big Ten Network, we'll be back next week to recap that game with our special guest, former Husker Mo Berry. Mo is someone definitely you want to hear. It should be a great discussion. And of course, if you're in the hunt for any volleyball this fall, look no farther than here on NET this Saturday as we bring you the 2020 NSAA High School Volleyball Championships. Six great games are lined up beginning at 9 a.m. and continuing throughout the day. Catch all the action live from Pinnacle Bank Arena right here on NET Sports. Our thanks to Damon Benning, Sean Callahan, and James Carney for joining us tonight. For Jay Moore and Sean Callahan, I'm Michael Severe. We'll see you next week on NET's Big Red Wrap.